O God, your saving power sustains us in the dark nights of our lives. Your holy word guides us to restore our hope, our faith, our discipleship. Now open our hearts and minds to the presence of your spirit so that as your word is read and proclaimed, your light may lead us to new life with you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, today we continue our series of sermons on the book of Hebrews. In this reading from the fifth chapter, we will hear an unfamiliar name, Melchizedek. That's a name that doesn't just roll off the tongue, but the writer of Hebrews uses this mysterious Old Testament figure to help us understand the role that Jesus plays in history. Even if you have been reading the Bible and going to Sunday school and church all your life, most of us are likely to hear the name Melchizedek and say, Mel who? <laughs> Listen now for God's word in the first 10 verses of the fifth chapter of Hebrews. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming high priest, but was appointed by the one who said, it, said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mel who? Melchizedek is mentioned just three times in the whole Bible. Because our Hebrews passage, uh, besides that passage we just read, he's mentioned in Genesis 14 and in the 110th Psalm. The 14th chapter of Genesis begins with Abram conquering kings to rescue his nephew Lot, and I guess his salty wife. But uh, <laughs> but this was before this is before God changes Abram's name to Abraham. 
So after Abram's victory over the kings who had held his nephew Lot, we read, after Abram's return from the defeat of the, at Kedarlaomer uh, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, remember that place, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is, the king's valley, and King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. He blessed him and said, Blessed be, Abraham, be Abram by God most high, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. As all those spoils of war, he gave that king a tenth of them. When listen to the other place that the Bible mentions Melchizedek, it's the first four verses of the 110th Psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends out from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your foes. Your people will offer themselves willingly on the day you lead your forces on the holy mountain. From the womb of the morning, like dew. Your youth will come to you. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever, ever, ever known anybody named Melchizedek? It's not one of those Bible names that people lay on their baby boys these days, or at least not yet. You know, we see football players named Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah and whatever. Lots of different Bible names get used, but I've never heard that one. I don't know, there may be a running back named Melchizedek next year, but I don't know, not yet. Names in the Bible, especially Old Testament names, often they mean something that can tell you something about that person. This name, Melchizedek, means king of righteousness. This man with, a, with an odd name was born in, was, he was king of Salem. Well, Salem in Hebrew is spelled Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. Today, we know that city by a newer name, Jerusalem. Well, if you think about it, that whole business of Abram recognizing the authority and authenticity of this is a Canaanite priest king. It's startling. There's no parallel in the whole biblical literature, not to mention that business of him paying a tithe to this man. It's a mystery. But that original Melchizedek, that's not what's important here in our passage in Hebrews. Mel, I'll call him. Mel is a prototype. He's a preliminary model, you might say. He's an individual that exhibits the essential features of a later type. Melchizedek foreshadows the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the writer of Hebrews tells us a couple of important things about ways in which Melchizedek and Jesus are alike. The second verse tells us that a priest is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. Jesus is not some distant being off in some far place 
who never knew pain or rejection or sorrow. He suffered as we do. How often has somebody told you, you just can't understand my situation. You can't really know my pain unless you, you can't understand my loss or imagine my feelings unless you have been there yourself. It happens with good things and bad things. I had a, a friend who was talking about Yosemite and said, if you can look at all the pictures and all the movies you want, but you have no idea how massive it is unless you're there and can see it. And people who've suffered great loss of a loved one say, you cannot imagine it unless you've been through almost the same thing. You just can't. Well, as we read in, in the fourth chapter just last week, we don't have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weakness. We have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. The fourth verse we read from the fifth chapter here tells us that a priest, a priest doesn't appoint him or herself. I've known people who... Uh, I told you about one time about how a lady called my dad one time. We were about to move from Macon, Georgia, to Augusta, Georgia. Said, preacher, don't bother packing up. The Lord has called me to that church in Augusta. And he said, well, ma'am, uh, the Presbyterian church doesn't exactly work that way. <laughs> the church has a committee, and then there's a process for all this. That same woman got... She got recognized at, at South Carolina Presbyterian and the police had to take her out because she just wouldn't uh, give up the, the, the podium for a long time. So, but, so priests, and for that matter, pastors in the Presbyterian church, don't call themselves, they're called by God. The fifth verse says that Christ did not appoint himself our great high priest. He was named by God who said, and they quote the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And you remember that voice of the Holy Spirit speaking at the baptism of Jesus. So Jesus is not, not our elected representative. There's no term limit. He's not self-appointed. He's God's own choice. Well, not only has Christ become our great high priest, the eighth verse or ninth verse here tells us that he has become the source of eternal salvation for all who obey. The verses we focused on last week and the fourth chapter, they were basically a renewed call to faithfulness. There's a professor at the Union Seminary in Richmond who, who's written, Francis Ginch, who's written that they remind us that the life of faithfulness does not depend on our own strength our own determination or our situation, but on our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Jesus is able to lead us into God's presence and to bring God's grace and strength to bear on our struggles in our times of need. Well, because Jesus Christ is on our side, because Jesus has got your back, we can live not in fear, but in hope. We can approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Thanks be to God.
Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever.